Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacking. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. We have got brain number one up in your skull. And we also have brain number two. That's right. A second brain. And surprisingly, it's in your gut. Did you know that your gut has a hundred million neurons in it. Now, neurons are brain cells. Well, what are they doing in your gut? It makes no sense, right? But they're there. As crazy as it sounds, they're there. Did you know that your gut produces up to 90% of your serotonin, the feel-good chemical. You know, the serotonin they thought to believe was only in the first brain. (laughs) 90% of it is produced in the gut. And that leads me to dynamism biohack, your second brain. Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess that characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress. They step outside that it's genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach into what I call true health. This is the health class your doctor doesn't know, the wellness prevention and health promotion solution, how to get and stay well for a lifetime. That's dynamism. Expert Dr. Junger talks about the fact that when he was going to a young doctor and eating the Western diet, he was on all kinds of medications and he was feeling all kinds of issues, including depression. He went to a psychiatrist at that time who said, well, you're not producing enough serotonin. He pointed to his brain up in his skull and Dr. Junger says in hindsight, And I quote him, he should have been pointing to my gut. Because that's where the bulk of your serotonin is produced. Serotonin is that happiness chemical which helps modulate our well-being and our sense of happiness. That is why many mistakenly think it's produced in the brain. Guess what though? It's actually produced in the gut up to 90%, which makes me wonder of all those drugs that people take for depression. Only 10% of serotonin's in the in the first brain, what the drugs were designed for. Ouch. Oh my goodness. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have gone there in that rat science again. Happiness <laughs> and everything else we are discussing 
really doesn't come from a pill. It's not a blame it, name it, tame it with a drug. It starts at the end of your fork. Your second brain is down in your gut. And you gotta start paying attention to that. It's in your microbiome, which is composed of those little creatures that are living in your gut. And Perlmutter, Dr. Perlmutter shares a fascinating story about this in his book called Brain Maker. He cites an experiment that was published in 2013's edition of Gastroenterology out of UCLA. It demonstrated much of the first evidence that friendly bacteria consumed from food can affect brain function in humans. And the study showed how small gut bacteria changes could affect our perceptions in the brain. In the experiment, they used a functional MRI scan. Rather than looking at the structures of the brain, functional MRI evaluates brain activity so that researchers can determine which areas of the brain are active and how active they are at any particular time. When neurologists observe such activity, they technically call it excitability or lighting up. How the brain responds to stimuli or changes in the environment. So the functional MRI in this study showed the nucleus accumbens light up. In one group, the reward center, what this nucleus does, was lighting up. And when they consumed the ultra-processed, fast-acting carbohydrates, not what you want because this creates addicting cravings to unhealthy, fake food-like substances, right? But in this case, they changed just one thing in their diet. They gave one group fermented foods and the other group unfermented foods because fermented foods have tons of healthy bacteria in them. And in this particular experiment, they use yogurt. They measured activity before and after they consumed this product for a certain period of time. And researchers found out that consuming fermented food in a matter of weeks led to a decreased level of excitability in the brain. In other words, as Dr. Perlmutter put it, the fact that changes in our gut affect our brain's response to negative activity or emotionally stirring images and just mind-boggling, right? Uh, Canadian researchers stated something else. Let me, let me get that over here. Let me quote that. Hold on. Canadian researchers stated the following. Overall dietary changes could explain 57% of the total structural variation in gut microbiome, whereas changes in genetics accounted for no more than 12%. So they kind of proving my point. We already know it's not genes, it's lifestyle, right? It's environment. And so this indicates that the diet has a dominating role in shaping gut microbiome and our epigenetics, right? It also changes key populations that may transform 
healthy gut microbiome into a disease-inducing entity. So it's crazy to think that fermented food, something as simple as sauerkraut, yogurt, and pickles, and other fermented food on a regular basis feeds and nourishes our microbiome in a healthy way. Your second brain exists in your gut, has over 100 million neurons, and 90% of the serotonin produced in your body comes from your gut. Your gut is 70 to 80% of your immune system. Guard it well. So the triad of eating is to reboot kitchen detox and follow your food rules. And most of the nutritional gurus, well, they talk about going through a reboot phase when optimizing your eat driver. It would be one thing if you were raised in a traditional environment when everything that should have happened did. That you were born naturally, you were breastfed, and you never had antibiotics. That you moved a ton, also had a strong community support group, and you could continue to live on that traditional diet. You've got it going on. But the reality is, most of us did not grow up in that environment, and we have some repair to do. And as a result, these authors talk about the importance of having a reboot phase. They vary in length from two to three weeks to longer, but the basic idea is that by the end, you have removed all potential toxins from your diet. We've already discussed a great deal about them. So if you're feeling inspired from or wish to adventure outside the scope of this particular training, so as to specifically exactly what I think you should do, it would be a reboot. Again, this is all about experimentation, but that reboot phase is one aspect that I do think is important. Dr. Mark Hyman calls it rebooting your body to its original factory settings. The basic idea is to omit certain foods and then then you reintroduce foods, testing to see what works and what might not. The reboot phase, if you will, we can perform a blood test in our office to focus in on what specific foods you should omit first. The other thing that all these books have is a kitchen detox. (laughs) So at this point in our story, We've discussed about some potential toxic triggers and some of which may have been a no-brainer to you, some of which you might have said, not so sure about that. Really? Yeah, I need to study some more. But fantastic. Being an engaged user of healthcare, dare to disagree with me and study. That's okay. Really, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Think about it and test it, of course. But... With some of the stuff, you might have heard and you said, you know, that's a no-brainer. For that stuff, do a kitchen detox. Look at those items in your kitchen right now and throw them away. Throw away all of the the things that you think need to go. You no longer want to have it as part of your nutritional plan. Get rid of them. Be ruthless about it. And the next time you're at the grocery store, make sure not to buy it. That's the kitchen detox. Again, I cannot stress enough. Start with a partially hydrogenated anything. Be sure to remember our, you know, our frenemies, the sneaky sugary drinks. And some researchers say the most 
toxic thing in your kitchen is sugar. Throw all that stuff away, right? And this leads us to food rules. Food rules, Michael Pollan wrote a great little tiny book on the concept. He has got dozens of rules in it, and they're very simple rules of thumb, right? Again, they can be used as a way to navigate our nutritional landscape. Here are some of my favorites. Come up with your favorite in, 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 in your own journal and write down what your new rules are. His whole deal is this. Again, to eat real food from an animal or from the ground, but not too much. Go for mostly plants, and these rules help out. Particularly, identify what is real food and what is fake food. So, number one, if your great-great-grandma did not need it or would not recognize it as food, do not eat it. This might sound absurdly obvious, but it is incredibly powerful. Recall that diet has changed more in the last 100 years in the prior 100,000 years. Number two, if your great-great-grandma needed it, you should need it. Number three, by the way, go get that cod liver oil. Grandma was right. Number three, the longer the shelf life of a product, the shorter your life. This is a good rule to keep in mind. If a product never spoils, guess what? It is because all the nutrients have been removed from it. This is why sugar and flour are able to be shipped. They both have very little nutritional value. The longer the shelf life, the shorter your life. Number four, if there are more than five ingredients, don't eat it. It's not real food. It's fake artificial food. Food scientists came up with. If a third grader can't pronounce the ingredients, don't eat it. I can't pronounce half the ingredients in the stuff. Don't eat it. If that ingredient doesn't exist in your kitchen, don't eat it. The food scientist came up with that. You don't want that in your body. It's not real food. Chances are they came up with it to cause you to become addicted to it. These are addictive additives and chemicals and most of them um, antibiotics. They just rename it different things. Number five, <clears throat> if it's a plant, eat it unless it's poisonous. Common sense, guys. If it was made in a science lab, don't eat it. Don't put it in your body. Number six, if it has a TV commercial, avoid eating it. <laughs> There's too big of a budget attached to the product. The one exception might be avocados. They... You know, they say some uh, somehow <clears throat> they say somehow having an interest group backing that, but you got to get the big idea here. If it's on television, don't eat it. <clears throat> so Pollen says that if it makes a food health claim, do not eat it. You know what I'm talking about? You walk around the store and it says, "Hey, antioxidants are in this." Nope, don't eat it. <laughs> this is somewhat surprising. But he says this, <clears throat> look, if a product can make a food health claim, first of all, it is probably in a box. Secondly, they are able to afford to do that. Never a good sign. 
you are getting dangerously close uh, to it being a non-food. Remember tricks and Cocoa Puffs? When the whole low-fat movement occurred, fat is bad, carbs are good. You want whole grains, right? Remember, they can throw in a nominal amount of whole grains into tricks and Cocoa Puffs and then buy a stamp from the American Heart Association saying it is heart healthy. Bad idea, people. Do not buy foods with health claims. Great idea. Here is another one. Do not buy your body fuel where you get your car fuel. (laughs) Did you know gas stations make more money inside the store than they do outside? And most of that is junk food. Of course, they sell cigarettes and other little miscellaneous stuff, but they are selling perfectly, awesomely, horrible non-food. Never buy food where you get your car's fuel. At the end of the day, what we want to do is reduce the number of steps from farm to fork. Farm to fork. This is again what all the great teachers talk about. Remember, whole food to refined food was the biggest issue and insult to our health. If you want to have food in its most natural state, that would be food picked by a farmer, brought to a farmer's market, washed, cut, and eaten. Otherwise, when your food gets picked, it gets sent to a factory and processed, with weird ingredients added and put into a box. Then it is brought to your grocery store, where it can sit on the shelves forever. God knows how clean or unclean it might be. Then it goes into your body by way of a spoon or a fork. Not a good idea. Shorten that farm-to-fork window. And most importantly, be willing to break the rules once in a while. We're not discussing a perfect approach, all or none. We're talking about making incremental improvements day in and day out. And I'm going to distill it and put it all together for you in this training of the five pillars of a dynamic health, spoon-fed style. You've got to be willing to break the rules in turn once in a while. Make that the exception. You know, if you're doing 80% of this stuff right, 20% of the time you can screw up and be fine. That's a good rule. By the time we are finished with this training, we're going to have a plan for you to look forward to. It's going to be a plan personalized by you. It will be your safe experiment designed for you. And I'm going to be your coach and help you design your own personalized strategy. This training is going to help you get there where you can say, hmm, I'm going to adhere to these rules more often than not. Yet there are times when I'm going to make exceptions to it. It's okay to screw up once in a while. That is always a wise rule. So there you go. We're going to reboot Kitchen Detox and follow the food rules. Lighten up, move better, and live fuller. 
If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. The health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.